0: your heads with me, and I'm going to do that. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you for being here, and I ask that you would release more of you, that the fragrance of who you are can be smelled, can be tasted, and can be felt in this room, and even over the airways, Lord God. Yes. Holy Spirit, come, and may everything that we do give you honor and glory. And Father... As you have taught me, I lift these people up to you. Father God, I ask that you would look upon them today, Lord, that you would begin to see uh, their hearts, Lord, that you would reveal to them the secrets of the kingdom of God, that you would open up their understanding, Father, that you might make them a righteous people, a people full of God, a people that would impact this life that they're living. Yes, Father. I can do nothing, but you can do all things. And so Holy Spirit, would you come and would you lead us for the next 30 minutes and and, and show us the kingdom uh, principles, Lord, that we might walk in them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, guys. Well, if you've brought your Bible, which hopefully you did, if you didn't, raise your hand. We've got one for you. The ushers are looking around to give you a Bible. I want you to turn to Colossians 3.16. I've got some hands up here. Great, thanks. So turn to Colossians 3, 16. And the way you're going to find it's in the New Testament towards the back of your Bible. Okay, it's right after Philippians. Right? Very good. Okay. So I want you to find that. All right. Now I'm going to read it out loud for you. Here we go. Right. Okay. So Colossians 3, 16 says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. As each, uh, as, uh, and teach you and admonish, which is to give you advice, right? And to correct you, and admonish you, admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, which we we're doing this morning, hymns, and spiritual songs, with gratitude in your heart to God. And so we're gonna start there, but I'm gonna ask you to do something irreverent, right? I'm gonna ask you to take your pen, and I'm gonna ask you to underline. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, right? I'm a biggie for writing in my Bible. I think that they are, that we need to be interacting with it, okay? So I asked you to underline that. Now, there's a little word there that we can often overlook, okay? And I don't want you to overlook this, right? And this little word is let, let. And so it's almost like the Holy Spirit is jumping off because Holy Spirit is with us when we read the word of God, if we ask him to be. And I've asked him to be today, right? And so here you go. The little word let means you have a choice. Will you allow, allow the presence of God to begin to show you stuff in what? In the word of Christ, which is our Bible, because it's his word. And it says, hey, not just look at it, glance at it, but let it dwell deep down inside, right? Deep down inside. You know, my heart is that this series that we're in doesn't just uh, cause you to know a little bit more, but would cause you to go real deep with him, that you would begin to love the word of God, right? And so that's my prayer for you, that it would dwell deep down inside. And so I got to thinking about this whole word dwell and how I could bring it into your understanding. So I'm going to do an illustration, okay? So here you go. This is... Uh, a clear cup, right, and it has hot water in it, and so this cup represents us. It's like it represents our soul, right, and so it's all that all that we are, and so then what uh, when it says to dwell, let the word of the Lord dwell in your heart, it's kind of like the word of God is this tea bag, right, and we let it dwell by putting it in, right, and so the word of God now is at work in my soul and yours. That's what happens, right? And so we are, we are steeped, steeping. And so what happens is most of us are just allowing the steeping process to happen when we come in on, on a Sunday. And we hear somebody talk about the Word or read the Word. And that's kind of like, like taking the tea back, back out and going, oh, that's enough, right? And so we have tea. You have some of the Word of God in you. But, right? It's not fully, it's not rich, it's not dwelling in you. And so there's this conscious effort one needs to make to go and intentionally take the word of God, the tea bag, and to put it back in and to let it steep, right? Only the word of God is not always that accessible. It's, it's hard for some people. So I'm gonna slow down a little bit today and I'm going to show you how you can steep and become uh, able to dwell in in the Lord, right? Dwell in his word and and let it just seep down inside of you. I can see this. Okay, so then you began to look like God. You have the aroma, has a tea aroma starting to arrive, right? And so you can, all those things are true with the word of God when it gets inside of you. So I got to thinking, okay, what do we need to do here, right? To let the word of God dwell deeply inside of us. And I thought, okay, the first place is, I want to talk to you uh, as a practitioner, as a person that's very practical. And I know for many people, they are uh, confused when it comes to the Word of God. They see all the Bibles. I chose all these Bibles. I just pulled them off the shelf in my, in, in my library, right? And so they can be confusing. But I want you to know something about these Bibles. Uh, they, the categories of translations, because that's all what they are, right? They actually have three Different, trans, uh, three different categories that they fit into so all the bibles that you will uh, see out there right and there's tons of them they all fall in one of these three categories and so the first one is exact equivalent an exact equivalent is a word-for-word translation now listen guys oh yeah okay here you go all bibles are translated whoa no yeah, they come from the original Greek and Hebrew manuscripts, right? And so they're, all of them are translated into various forms. And so I know I can hear this. Okay, so there's a story I want to tell you about uh, Pastor Andy. Last week when he was finished his sermon... And he was talking to a fella. He came up and said to him, to Andy, said, Hey, Andy, I was told if I don't learn the ancient Greek and Hebrew, I can really never understand the Word of God. <laughs> right? Well, see, this is not true. This is a lie the enemy uh, gives us. Because somehow it says that uh, over all these years that the Bible has been added and taken away and all, how could it be truth? Right? But that's not correct. Because in all that I'm getting ready here to share you, share with you, All these translations, right, what happens is there are scholars that go back and they look at the original Greek and Hebrew and they transcribe in different ways, and I'm going to show you that. And when they transcribe, right, they, they now become in the new English versions of what we have. That's why we have so many versions because we have a lot of scholars that are working on this. So this is a good thing for us to have lots of translations. We can really understand the Word of God, all right? And uh, I want you to feel secure and good about uh, understanding that, that there is no bad translation out there. There really isn't. I know I'm going to freak people out, but I don't think so. Anything that gets you in the Word of God is a good for me, okay? Because I'm a practitioner, so it's a good for me. So this first one I want to introduce, all the Bibles fall in three categories. First one is the exact equivalency. That's a word for word. That's where those scholars sat down with the manuscripts, and looked word, and said, what's the English word, and they went through it that way, and they produced uh, the Bibles, and so what you would see, here's examples, there's more, but these are the popular ones that are out there, King James, the King James Bible, now the King James Bible, you know, was written in 1611, and here you go, it has all the, here, it has all the these and thous, right, you know, have you read them, right, Okay, so it has all the these and those and stuff. Well, the scholars decided to take this translation and put the new NIV together. So this one doesn't have the um, these and thous, but what it does, this, this particular uh, type of, of word, it is a word-for-word translation. You also have that in the New American Standard. You have the English Standard Version. This version is what our seminary students are using now at the universities, okay? And so again, it's word for word, so very exact. If that's important to you, you want to get a Bible like this. Now, another one is called the functional equivalency. And so I know it's a big word, but here's what it means. It means that they've taken thought for thought out of those same manuscripts. They go to those, and instead of doing word for word, they go thought, 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 thought. thought. And so it's translated thought by thought, right? And here are some examples of those. You have the New Living Translation, And by the way, these are the abbreviations. You've seen those every time you get an outline from me, don't you? Yes, okay. That's what those mean, right? So uh, you also have the Good News translation. I love that one. Today's English version. And my favorite is the New Testament version. And it barely makes it into this category because what it did is it took both of them. They sat down, the scholars here, and they pulled up the word for word, but they wanted to make sure you understood it, so they actually then went into translating thought to thought and making sure that happened too. So it's an overlay, right? That's what I chose to read out of this morning. That is my absolute favorite, uh, the one I use the most, right? And stuff. and then, so you have your exact equivalent, you have your functional equivalent, and here you go. These guys are really focusing on word for word or thought for thought they're not adding anything it's just straight out of the manuscript and then you get parallel translations parallel translations they are not concerned about word for word and thought for thought they're wanting to go in a little bit different direction so they want to tell the Bible's story in the modern day colloquialism which is the way we talk like hey dude right right yeah yeah or don't hook up Uh, I'm trying, help, I'm trying, all right, but those words that we use, the Bibles I'm talking about next are the ones that will use them, right, because they want you to understand it, so you have the Living Bible, right, and that's by Dr. uh, Taylor, and so Dr. Taylor actually wrote this one for his kids, for his children, because he wanted them to understand the Bible, and so it's very easy to understand and uh, it carries the concept, so if you have kids or grandkids or maybe youth, some youth that you, that you know, right, you want to maybe look at this kind of a version, uh, you know, vision, so that they would actually read it. Okay, and then there's the message, my favorite, Eugene Peterson, and then the Passion Translation, which if you've been out there and you're watching, that's the hot thing out right now, right? they just They just come up with uh, uh, some parts of the Bible that they 've translated they haven 't got the whole entire Bible, and uh, it 's great because what they do is they do replace words, but they 're trying to get at the emotion behind the text right and stuff now these to be honest with you, these parallel transitions uh, tr- you know the uh, different uh, translations, I personally think that the parallel ones are great for uh, just inspiration or Uh, devotional study, right? And stuff like that. If you have a comprehension issue, though, this might be where you want to be at first, okay? But the idea is to go to either the functional or the exact. That's where you want to be, right? So this is what's out there uh, in, in Bible land when we get a whole bunch of Bibles, right? And then when we begin to understand them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go find one and it will give you permission to get a new Bible, (laughs) right? To go in to find one that you like to read. You see, I believe that if you don't like what you're reading, if you don't understand what you're reading, then it's going to occupy your desk, okay? Or your nightstand, or your coffee table. And so I want you to love the Word of God so you have to understand it, right? Because if you don't understand it, you're not allowed in the word to go inside and to steep inside of you. So I know I just broke some people's hearts, but here's the idea. This book does you no good if you do not open it. That's not where salvation is found, okay? And so the word of God is important for us to know. Uh, when we know it, it frees us. It sets us free, okay? So we need to understand that. We need to understand what's going on. So here's how those translations might look for you. If you had Psalm 100 and verse 4, it says here in the equivalent, see that, ESV, uh, it says, Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Now, here comes the thought for thought one. And watch. They added just very few to kind of help make the thought happen. It says, Enter the temple gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. Now, that's your... Equivalent fun- you know, functioning there, right? And so they might add uh, just those for clarity, all right? Or they'll take the original and they, they put it together so they under- there's an understanding that's what it's talking about. Now, when you go to your paraphrase, who aren't? They're not concerned with every word being exact, right? Or every thought. They're going for more, do you understand it? So they're going to put it in our language. So they say, enter with the password, <laughs> right? Got a little attitude here. Enter, right? You're going to talk to God. Enter with the password. What's the password? Thank you. Make yourself at home. Man, do come on in. Have a seat, right? Make yourself at home t- talking praise, because that's what we're talking. Thank him and worship him. And so when you read, I took a while. Okay, some of them are really like wild. But they help to convey this emotion uh, of the scriptures. And that's why they make a fun devotional, okay? So what I just did for you is I took all the Bibles that we see, and there's tons and tons out there, and I put them in three categories, so now you have handles on which one do you want. So if you were to go to a bookstore, uh, you would say, you know, I really want the word-for-word, so I'm going to ask for uh, that type, or I want the thought-for-thought functional one, I'm going to ask for that, right? Or, you know what, I just want an easy read, so I'll, I'll look at the paraphrased ones, right? And here's the deal. Then to confuse you, but they do. Bibles always; uh, the authors can confuse you. They and they go after something like this, where they put two or three together. So in here, I have the message and the NIV. Oh man, Sharon, right? And so you can read it, and it's parallel. The two Bibles have actually set up, and they run parallel. Okay. So why am I telling you all this? Because again. I don't think you can learn to love the Word if you don't understand uh, how to choose your own Bible, right? You need to make one, have one chosen that talks to you, and that's what you're looking for, okay? So there is no right or wrong answer on this one. Just get into the Word, and I believe the Holy Spirit starts to reveal stuff, okay? So that's the first thing I wanted to talk to you about. The second thing that helps you to dig, dig deep and to dwell, right, to dip yourself in the tea, right, to take on more of the flavor of that, would be to understand the structure of the Bible. Now, Pastor Andy did a marvelous job last week of talking about this, didn't he? You know, he reminded you guys that uh, the the Bible was written over a course of, you know, uh, 1,600 years. That's a long time, right? And that was written, written in 12 different countries with 40 people, Two languages, and then the uh, types of people that were writing it were all the way from priests and kings, right? All the way down to poets and prophets, to even farmers and, uh, you know, uh, tax collectors, you know, the, the common folk, right? And so you have all these people writing it. So there's no way that we could have this continuity, but yet there is a continuity. Every book that you read has the same storyline right? It has the same storyline. And, no con- and there's really not a contradiction. There's just the understanding of it. And so I want to tell you that it's like that because the author of the Bible is not a man. It's not even a woman. She might do better, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought I'd irritate some of you. Okay, here we go. All right, so this Bible here is written by God. That's who it is. He uses people's hands to write in things. Right, but it's inspired by God. That's why I say you can ask the Holy Spirit to come, and uh, He will. He will talk to you and help you to understand it. Matter of fact, Jesus Himself says says that God wrote it because He did this for us in Second Timothy three. He says all Scripture is God breathed. In other words, God is the author. Settled. And this is in this uh, Bible is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so hey this bible here this bible tells me how to love my spouse how to raise my kids how to invest my money right what kind of work ethic i should have this bible tells me how to handle my body right it tells you everything it gives you direction it says it's a lamp unto our feet right And so that's what this scripture is saying here. It's saying that it trains us in the way that we should go. Righteousness is the right way that we walk before God, right? And then it says so that the servants of God, that's us, right? The servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So there's nothing that you shouldn't know because he's put it in here. We call this the owner's manual, right? Because God has written this for us so that we know what to do. And so it's important for us to get that inside. Now, uh, here you go. Last week when Andy was having his conversation, I was out mingling with people. I love talking to people. And I met a young couple, just delightful. They had watched this online and decided to come check the church out. So they drove up here, and uh, he was the, they were a young couple. And the guy was talking to me about he decided to come here because he was trying to get closer to God, trying to figure out the God thing, right? So he's coming trying to get closer to God, and as he was talking to me, he goes, but, you know, because he heard Pastor, he goes, that Bible, I try to read it, but it's hard to understand, right, so I thought, okay, I said, well, what translation do you, do you have, he looked at me, he goes, huh, he goes, I just borrow my girlfriends, <laughs> I love this, and she had a Bible there, and I was like, what translation is, I looked at her, and she's like, it's a family Bible, you know, so I opened it up, and you got it, it's King James, right, which is great, but I'm like, okay. And then I, I, I said, well, what? Where, where are you reading, right? Where did you start reading? And he looked at me and he went, in the beginning. Because all books start where? In the beginning, and we read straight through. And you see that conversation, I love, 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 because it is so true of everybody, right? We all were there at one point in time. And so it really helps us to understand uh, you know, the, the conundrum and the difficulty that one would come at being able to read the Word of God. And so what you need to understand is the Bible is not just one book. It's a collection of books, 66 of them, right? And so those collections also of books, they're not chronological like this happened and this happened. And, right? That's not how it's grouped. It's actually grouped differently, so you don't have a a chronological read on it. So if you're thinking you're going to go and read it all and understand it, you're going to run into some difficulties. So I got to thinking, you know, let's just do a review on how the Bible is organized, right? So here's the structure of the Old Testament that you need to know. The law books, right, which are from Genesis to Deuteronomy. There are five of those. And then you have history books. There are 12 history books in the Bible, and that's Joshua to Esther. Then you have the poetry books. There are five, right? And they are from Job to the Song of Solomon, or for some of you, the Song of Songs, okay? And uh, then there's the prophetic books, which are vast. There are 17 of these. And they go Isaiah, uh, whatever, to Daniel. And, then, and that's considered the major prophets. And then Hosea to Micah, the minor prophets, Now, let me just say this, because it's another misconception. Minor and major does not refer to the importance of the work, right? The importance of the book. What it's talking about, now you guys, listen. What it's talking about is a major prophet just means it was a longer work, right? The minor prophets mean their work was not as extensive, right? doesn't mean that it wasn't valuable and it doesn't teach us lots of stuff. It's just referring to the length of the Bible. So you need to understand that. This is your Old Testament. This is what it looks like, right? And then what happens is it goes silent for 400 years. And when we look at other historical accounts outside in history, we see that things are going on, like Alexander the Great. He's conquering, and, and then we see the Roman Empire coming in, and they start to conquer, right? And so we know these things are going on, but the next time the Bible pops up, and we see Jesus on the scene there. Right? And that is what the structure changes now to New Testament, because Jesus has come on the scene. You have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? And by the way, these books are all about one story, which is Jesus. They just look a little different, right? And so I, I was working with a girl and, and we were reading, she had a hard time comprehending. And so I said, Well, go just read Matthew. And so she read she She go, Wow, this is interesting. And we would talk. All of a sudden I said, Okay, now you graduate up to Mark. She starts reading it, and she comes by my office, and she goes, wait a minute, it's the same thing. (laughs) And I go, yeah, it is. She goes, why in the world would they tell the same story, Sharon? Right? You should be asking yourself that question. Why did God put it in there twice like that? Why did he put in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all about one story? He did this because he wanted to show you the fullness of who Christ is right, the fullness, and so he's going to display it through these different uh, works that are on our board in the gospel, and then we have the book of Acts, which tells how the church got started, and then the uh, epistles, right, which there are 21 of those, and they go all the way from Romans to Jude, now guys, this is where we get our doctrine in the church, this is how we behave in the church, this is the thoughts we have, they all reside in here, okay, how we run our practices. And then the Revelation, of course, is the last book in the Bible, and that's a prophetic work. And it talks all about end times, right, what happens to the earth, what happens to us in the end times, and it also gives us a glimpse into eternity, right? And so those are, that's kind of the structure of the Bible. And so when you approach the Bible, it ha- it's helpful to know that, right, that that's how it's grouped and that's how you can read it. Now, here you go. What does all that mean, though? What does all this mean? I mean, wh- what does this book mean, and, and what does God want from us? What is he saying, right? Well, I want to talk to you about that. That's my third point up here, right? What does the Bible mean? Well, the first thing, I'm going to use an analogy to talk to you about this one. Uh, this one here might be a little bit more difficult for you to understand, but hang with me, because what we're doing is we are steeping, right? And we're starting to get some real richness to this thing. So what does it mean? Well, I found this mirror image that somebody did, and I thought, oh, gosh. That just, like, put it in perspective for me. So I'll share it with you today. It's, it's every, the, everything started this way, that God and righteousness and people in paradise. That's where it started in Genesis, Right? We see that where God made man, put him in paradise. So that's where it all started. That's Genesis 1 and 2 there. And then Satan and sin enter. Satan and sin enter. That's where uh, Eve ate the apple and gave it to her guy. Right, That's what we see there. And that's really denoting disobedience, uh, where they push away from God. And you can see that in Genesis 3. Now let me do a quick note because here's what I was feeling when I was writing this up. That there are some of you guys in here, and you're in a lot of chaos, and so I want to say something to you. When sin uh, and sin uh, comes through Satan, when it enters in, it brings two things, separation from God, and it brings chaos. Separation from God and chaos, and some of you guys in here, the, the feeling when I was praying is that you feel separate from God because of all the chaos going around you, and so I just want to do you a shout out because God's on this. And he wants you to understand it rationally, what's going on here. Okay? Because he wants to challenge this scenario in your life. All right. So the next thing we see is the world gets judged and destroyed, right? We see all the chaos taking place. And then God goes, Oh, man, my perfect world is just in chaos. This is not good. So he sends Noah and the flood, right? And we read about that in the Gospels or in the Old Testament. And in there, we see almost like, Oh, When my computer's not good, doing great, I just t- unplug it and reboot it. <laughs> and I almost see God doing that. Let's try a reboot on this thing. So you see the world being judged that it's chaotic, it's not good, and so God destroyed it with the flood. And then from there, we see one world government system starts to kick in. Well, what's that, Sharon? Well, in uh, Genesis 11, you see the Tower of Babel being built. And what it is is humans see that Their propensity is to have chaos, so they're going to build this tower up to God because they thought that way I could be equal to God and handle my own problems and stuff, right? So they're going to go about it their own way, but God looks and goes, Hmm, that's not good. That's not going to work, right? And so he destroys the Tower of Babel, as we see in Genesis 11. And what he says is, I got a different system. So now he's going to go after making 12 tribes, which are God's holy people, right, which we call Israel. And so these 12 tribes now, God is going to come, and there's a lot in the Old Testament about how he deals with the 12 tribes, right? And so what you're going to see there is where God gives them this law, right, that they are to live a certain way. But the, here's the problem. It's, it's all external. It's not internal. And so even the Bible says that's not good, right, because everybody's trying to make themselves do this or that, but it's not; they haven't taken it internally, and on comes the next answer which is jesus christ so god sends us jesus christ now the importance of jesus i put him right in the center right in the middle right because he is what the bible is about and so jesus comes on the scene because i'm going to try something different with you instead of the 12 tries i'm going 12 disciples and they're going to be the church and they are going to be my holy people Right? And so we see that in the establishment in the Gospels that this is taking place. Right? And then we see from here, mm -hmm, okay. God reminded me that I need to tell you that in the establishment of the church, He put the Holy Spirit, which resides inside of you. So it's no longer external, but internal. And you need to know that. Okay? And so here you go. What's happening now, and this is kind of where I see things happening is the one world government system you see how it's coming over right we're going in that same pattern that we were seeing over here and uh, where am i getting this from out of the book of revelation you can go and look for these things right so what happens with the one world government system is same thing with the tower of babel it's where our society says we don't need god he's not that important we can do it ourselves do we not just see that in the pandemic did you not just see that where, hey, we don't need to consult or go to the church or even talk to God. We're going to let the scientists handle it. We're going to do it all through medication. We got this thing licked, right? And they relocated the church to no more importance than the liquor stores, correct? You know, you can see it. It's, I can give you example after example. It's humanity trying to exist and make sense of the chaos that it cannot, because only God can take care of it. So you see a one-world government system that's coming, and I think we're in the, the time of birth pains for the end times coming, right? I do believe that with all my heart. So how far are we in? I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure that one out, right? But what I do know is I'm not dumb. I can see it. I can see it. So here you go. From there, we know the word of God. In Revelation tells us that the world will be judged and destroyed, right? But here you go. The judgment that's coming, because we can't exist this way, uh, because we're kicking God out, trying to be our own God. He says, no, that's not going to work, and we're messing up our our world. And so we're judging. But this time, unlike the destroyed, what's going to happen is we're going to be judged, and who's getting destroyed? Satan and sin, Satan and sin. Instead of entering like they did, they're going to exit. But you see, God has decided that Satan and his uh, evil ways, right, the sin, is going to be kicked out. They're going to be <laughs> sent to hell is what's going to happen, right? So they're going to leave, uh, leave our planet, but the devastation is still there, and that's why you see destruction happening. And then, of course, uh, the end of Revelation talks about God and redeemed, which is different than righteous, God and redeemed people, right, with him in paradise. And what I want you to see is we started with paradise, we end in paradise. That is where we have always been called to be, right? I, when I talk to people when I'm, they're working with funerals, and it's like, you know, they left this life. I'm thinking, no, they entered the life that they were designed for. Right? And so it's your perspective. And so God wants to really challenge us that, uh, that there's a mirror image of what's going on. So if you would spend the time in the Word of God, you let it steep inside of you, you begin to look, and all of a sudden, you begin to take on that, that flavor and that aroma of what God wanted. Now, I'm going to give one more shot at this to tell you what the Bible's about. And that is, oh, here we go. Have you ever read Scripture? And wondered, well, Sharon, I get it—the uh, the Bible, I read it, but I'm not sure the overall theme of what's going on, right? So, what's the subject? So, I got to thinking about that. And so, in English class, I'm going to dial back for some of you. In English class, you always had a subject, you always had an object, and you always had a verb, and they made a complete thought, right? And so, I was thinking about that when I was looking at the Word of God, and I was thinking, what is the subject of the Bible? Is it people? It's not. It's Jesus Christ. It's it's about him. The whole entire Bible, yes. Watch this. The subject is about Jesus Christ. It says this is what Jesus says in John 5, okay? It says here, "You seek the scriptures." Right? What scriptures? The New Testament? No, it's the Old Testament. That's all they had back then. You see the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and because you think that they, in them you will find eternal life. in that is where you're going to be able to be, uh, you know, with Father God. And this is what Jesus is saying here. And it is there that, and it is them that bear witness to, about me. So Jesus is saying, if you really understood, I am throughout the Bible. So here you go. I used to play a game with my kids when we'd read the Old Testament and stuff like that. It'd be like, where's Waldo? Where's Jesus? right? Because you should see a hint of Jesus even in the Old Testament. It's coming. That's what this whole book is about. The subject matter is Jesus Christ. That's from the beginning to the end. It's about the subject Jesus Christ. And you need to get that in your head. That's about that. So then what's the object? People, right? The object here is that it's about Jesus Christ and how he's dealing with the people. So we're just an object. He's the subject matter, Right And if, 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 right, and if I were to think, okay, well, then Sharon was the verb, right? What's the verb? Well, the verb the verb is what's the action? And so you know what this whole Bible is telling me what the action is? Right? It's about love, right? But it's not just love, it's about love given, right? For in the scripture, we see that in John 3:16 it said that God so loved the world that he Gave his only begotten son. There's the verb. He gave his only begotten son. That who shall ever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so he gave himself to us. That's what this is about. It's about Jesus Christ working with us and giving us and pouring out his love. So then what does he want from us, Sharon? Well, here you go. We'll go back over here. I'm going to ask you to open your paper Bibles to 1 John 3.16. First John three sixteen. It's in the back of your your uh Bibles, towards the back part. Here we go. Got it? Okay. I see, I hear all those little people wrestling there. Okay, very good. So first John three sixteen. I would underline it if I were you too. It says this is how we know. And I'm reading out of the NIV. Now everybody goes, oh, okay, why, that's why you have a different one. This is how we know that, God, that, that what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I just told you that, right? But watch what happens here. This is our purpose now. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Whoa. So what he's saying is that's our response right? The verb of love that was done to us and given to us, right, was what he's very, the very thing he's cultivating and bringing up out of us and saying, now I want you to give it away. I want you to give it away. And so I want you to know that give is the verb of the Bible. It's all about giving. It's all about giving. And therefore, it is our response. When we read it and we receive it, then we give it. Now, guys, I have just spent the last... Ooh, 30 30 minutes or so. And I've taken the word of God, and I've dipped it and dipped you, right? And I've let it steep, and I let it set. Now, what's happening is the aroma, I can smell it from this tea, and the color is deep, and it's rich. This is what happens to our lives. When we dare to understand the Bible and dare to open it and begin to understand it and let it sit in our soul, and we wrestle with the Holy Spirit with it, we become a dark and, a, and a, a, a rich aroma of something different than when we were before. We're no longer blank like my clear water was. It is now a whole different entity. Do you see that? Right? That's what God wants for us. He wants that. He wants you to be in love with the Word of God. I love it. I love it. I get up every day and I spend time with it. Not because I got to. Because I get to. I love it because it tells me what to do, how to love, how to respond when I'm hurt. It talks to me about my future. It talks to me about what to do with my past mistakes. And it always refocuses me. I love the word. If I could give you, (laughs) yeah, if I could give you anything, I would say that the word is a lamp unto your feet. It is what you need in your life. It's not to hear an inspirational talk. It's to spend time with the Father. Open up your word and say, come, come Holy Spirit. And then you turn to the New Testament if you're not a reader and you start reading. And then you start asking, Holy Spirit, what does that mean? And you pay attention to the little words because even the little words from our Father means everything. Love the word of God. That is my prayer for you. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, that you are calling us to let it to dwell in us deeply. Yes, Father, to steep, to, so that we would become the very essence of who you are. And your word does that. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you continue to move amongst your people. Yeah. And so there are some of you in here, and you have had so much chaos going around you. And Father sees that chaos, and that's why he's been talking to me. And so that chaos is because you're too far from the Father. You're too far from the one that made you and loves you, that wants to redeem you. And so this is all the chaos that's flying around you. Yes, I see. And so Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come in and that you would be the wind in their sails, Lord. That you would begin to bring that, that understanding. Not condemnation. God says it's conviction. And so Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just bring conviction right now in the hearts of those that had ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Those that are far from you, Lord. Those that are so busy they don't have time for you or to read your word. Thinking that answers are found out here. When Father says all, oh, all answers are found in me and so Holy Spirit I ask that you just go right now and those of you that feel far from God those of you that feel the chaos and even those online if that's you I'm going to pray a prayer with you right now I'm going to pray a prayer with you right now because it makes all the difference in the world when we make a statement that we're in a place of spinning and we want to go in a direction and so right where you're at now uh huh I want you, it's a prayer away. God says you're just a prayer away from the chaos coming down in your life. I want you just to pray in your hearts, right where you're at. You just say, Father God, I am far from you. And there's a lot of chaos. And I'm tired. I'm literally, physically, mentally, and emotionally tired. And so I don't want to run. calling on you Lord Holy Spirit just come come into my heart I give you my life I give you everything forgive me father for the sin the places I've been I thank you that you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me I accept you as my Savior and the leader of my life. And I thank you that you accept me and that you love me. Now I give you everything. Holy Spirit, for those that were praying that prayer, I heard you so clear. Father said he's written your name in the book of life. And no matter what storm hits you, that you are grounded on the word of God And that he will always bring hope and light into the situation you're facing. So, Father, I ask that you would bless them. That you would bless everybody in this congregation that heard what the words were today, Father. And that we would have the courage, Father, if our Bible's not working, we'd have the courage to find a new one. To have a new one, yes, Lord. And that we would begin to understand that we're not reading one continuous book. But that you have groups for us because there's wisdom to be found in the different books, Father, that exist. And Father, I thank you that what it means, that whole word, is about how you sent Jesus Christ into the world to save a sinner, someone who is blind like me. And say, so, Father, I love you so very much. I thank you that you are transforming us to begin to, yes, I see that, to begin to love you with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and with all our strength and to love other people. And so, Holy Spirit, do your work, and we will honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, guys, I've gone a little long. I can't help it. I just love, 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 love the word.